I've always wondered if I had been at the stable that night. Would I have seen a king or just a baby? If I had stood there with the shepherds, listening to stories about choirs of angels? Would I have asked, what child is this? Or would I have known that he would someday be the greatest shepherd of all? If I had watched wise men bring valuable gifts and kneel down under the guard of heavenly wonders, would I have understood that he was the one in which I would find all wisdom? And that he was the greatest gift of all? Just as that baby was held in his mother's arms. He would hold me, me, with his amazing grace. And his adoption into his father's family would be the picture of my adoption into God's family. Who would comprehend that this baby who was defenseless, swaddled and held, would someday be the one holding me in his hands. I didn't witness a star moving across the sky. Or many angels proclaiming his birth. But somehow, in the middle of my ordinary world, this extraordinary baby's birth found a place. In, in my worn down, beaten up heart. So like all of those people who saw him that night, he's the one I've been waiting for. To prepare me. Redeem me. Love me. Forgive me. Comfort me. Help me. Die for me. Raise me to life. What child is this? He's the one that comes to save me. He's the one who comes to save me. To save me. To save me. He's He's the the one who comes to save me. You know, many years ago, on a Christmas Eve, a Christmas pageant was being held in a little town here in the Midwest, and uh, that pageant will never be forgotten uh, because of one child actor in the play that will never be forgotten. His name was Wallace Perlin. He is now a legend in that little town. See, Wally was nine years of age, and in the second grade, though he should have been in the fourth, most people in town knew that he had difficulty keeping up. He was big and awkward and slow in movement and actually slow in mind. Wally fancied the idea of being a shepherd in the Christmas pageant, but the play's director, Miss Lombard, assigned him a more important role. Also, she reasoned the innkeeper did not have many lines and Wally's size would make his refusal of lodging to Joseph and Mary more forceful. So the night came for the performance and um, on stage and off stage, no one was more caught up in the magic of the night than Wallace Perlin. They said later that he stood on the wings and watched the performance with such fascination that Miss Lombard had to make sure he didn't wander on stage before his moment to be on stage before his cue. 
And then the time came. The time came when Joseph appeared slowly, tenderly guiding Mary to the door of the inn. And Joseph knocked hard on the wooden door. Um, and there he stood. Wally, the innkeeper, was there waiting. What do you want? Wally said, swinging the door open uh, briskly in his gesture. We seek lodging, said Joseph. Seek it elsewhere, Wally said vigorously. The inn is full. So we have asked everyone in vain. We've traveled far and, and near and are very weary here. There's no room in the inn for you, Wally barked back at them. Please, please, good innkeeper, this is my wife, Mary. She is heavy with child and needs a place to rest. Surely you must have some small corner uh, so that she can come in. She is so tired. Now, for the first time, the innkeeper relaxed his stiff stance and looked down at Mary. With that, there was a long pause, long enough to make the audience a little bit embarrassed and tense. Uh, no, no, be gone, prompted the whispered Miss Lombard. No, Wally replied automatically, be gone. Joseph sadly placed his arm around Mary, and Mary laid her head on his shoulder, and the two of them started to move away. The innkeeper did not return inside his inn, however. Wally, Wally stood there in the doorway watching the forlorn couple as they made their way away from the scene. His mouth was open, his brow was creased, and tears were forming in his eyes. And suddenly this Christmas pageant took on a different scene than any other pageant that has been when it was that Wally cried out, Don't go, Joseph! Bring Mary back! And Wallace Perlin's face grew in a bright smile when he said, She can have my room tonight. <laughs> you know, I think the innkeeper in that first story of Christmas would look back on that night in the years that followed and um, he, he would have said maybe what Wally Perlin said in the pageant. After all, he would have been made for life. Because if he had made room in the inn, he would be able to say, God's son was born in my inn. He, he would put up a plaque maybe that would read, Son of God was born here. Uh, 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 in a promo, uh, he could put sleep in the room where the Son of God was born. But no, that innkeeper is remembered for missing the moment. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby. And she gave birth to her first son, because there were no rooms left in the inn, she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a box where animals were fed. So when the Son of God sought a place to rest, 
he was turned away. And I asked, why? Why? Well, let's take a few guesses this morning as we celebrate Christmas on this Christmas Eve and maybe answer the question, why? And probably Luke gives the best answer in the scripture that we just read. You see, the inn was too crowded. See, the reason that Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem was that Herod had now called for a census and everyone had to travel to the place of their ancestors' home to register in the census that had been commanded and demanded. The innkeeper knew that the place was going to be packed. He knew that Bethlehem would be running with people. And it was his chance to make a fast buck. It was his chance now to get as many people packed into his inn as he could possibly get into his inn because there was money to be made. So wherever he could, he put a bed. Wherever he could, he found a room. Even the broom cupboard had a bed. And the bathroom and the kitchen and the hallways. Any space that could take a mattress, a mattress was laid out. And it was that he was now into making this fast buck. And it was true, there was no room in the inn. See, it was a once-in-a-lifetime economic moment, an opportunity, and he was taking it. But come on, you mean he couldn't find any space in that inn? You mean that he could not find someone that would give up their room for Mary and Joseph, this pregnant lady in her third trimester, heavy with child, and you can't find one person to give up their room for this lady? Some of you here this morning, you would have made room, wouldn't you? How many say, I I would have given up my room? And, and, And the fact is, it leads me to suggest another reason why it was that he turned them away. Not only was the inn crowded, but you see, the hour was too late. After all, he had blown out all the candles. The only sounds were the fire crackling in the fireplace and sounds of guests snoring. It's just too late. The knock at the door was a midnight knock. And the innkeeper came reluctantly to the door, half asleep, and he just opened it a little while, a little few inches, and he knew already what he was going to say. It's too late, and the inn is full. If he could have made out the figure of the pregnant Mary, he would have said, oh, come on. This is not a maternity ward. This is a hotel. After all, if she screams in the birth, she's going to wake everybody up in the inn and they're going to be coming for a refund tomorrow for their money for being kept awake all night. And besides, there's another reason. Not only was the inn full, not only was it late, but see, this couple were just too common. See, we're not talking about King Joseph here and Queen Mary here. He didn't, they didn't arrive with an entourage of camels carrying much goods with them. No, just a donkey with dirty clothes. See, if they had come with an entourage, 
and with riches, he made, made a different move. But since the inn was crowded and because it was too late and because they were so common, they were just common people, he missed his opportunity. He missed the moment, didn't he? He missed that moment. And these verses in Scripture could have been written differently had he not missed the moment. They could have been written and Jesus was born in the inn. Instead of Jesus was born in a stable. So let me ask you this morning, what would you have done if you were in the innkeeper's place? Had the inn been yours and, and, and now the decision is yours? Has that, had that door been yours? Wait, let me ask it differently. Let me ask you. L- listen, here am I. Jesus said this in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 20. Listen to what he said. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you will eat with me. See, this is what Christmas is all about, people here today. It's about this Christmas invitation. It's about an invitation that comes to you no matter where you are, no matter how rich you are, how poor you are. If you live in a a mansion or you live in a shack, it's the invitation, the same invitation that comes to everyone in this room this morning. Is Jesus saying, I would love to come in. I want to live in you. So he knocks at the door. Maybe, maybe he knocks at the door through tragedy. Maybe you've gone through tragedy this year. And, and, and in the midst of it, you hear God knocking at the door. Maybe it knocks at the door through the faithfulness of your spouse who has already decided to follow Jesus, already surrendered his or her heart to Jesus. And now today God is coming and, and honoring them by knocking at the door of your heart. Maybe he knocks at the door through your children who know Jesus too and they want you to know him. Maybe he knocks at the door through the faithfulness of the friend who has talked to you and and invited you to come here this morning. Maybe your mother brought you along, your dad brought you along. Maybe it is that you've been brought, dragged along by your grandkids. You just come to please them. But what you're going to find is that Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. You see, it's Jesus that's got you here this morning, really. And even through the simpleness of a sermon, he's knocking at your heart's door. And maybe, maybe you crack it open just a little bit, uh, just a few inches, and oh, my Lord, it's my Lord. <laughs> and he's standing there knocking at your heart's door, and your heart is warm towards him a little bit. And you're about to open the door, but then the baby cries, and and then the boss calls, and and, and then the alarm goes off, and then your automatic beeper on your your cell phone, it reminds you of your busy schedule, and you have to take that test, and you have to call the doctor, and you have to get the kids to the sports, and you say, I got to go, Jesus. Jesus, thanks for calling, but my life is too crowded Long lines, cell phone lines, email lines, 
text lines, children lines, bills to pay lines. My life is crowded, Jesus. I'm so sorry, but I'm so busy. And my life is crowded with stuff. You know, I feel that God wants you to know something today. He wants you to know that he knows about your life. Here's what the scripture says. Here's what Jesus says, I should say. Jesus doesn't come to complicate your already busy life. He comes to simplify your very busy life. He doesn't come with a list of more things that you have to do He's not coming with demands to you this Christmas. He's not coming to add to your list this Christmas. He wants you to know what he's already done. He's not asking you to do anything, but he wants you to know what he's already done. He says, sit down a minute. Let's talk. Let me tell you what I've already done. And he says, your sins, your sins have already been forgiven. I dealt with them on the cross. He says, let me tell you what I've already done. Your death has already been defeated and you will never die. If you put your faith in what I did on the cross, you will never die. I've already taken care of that. He says, your fears have already been removed. Your anxiety is already taken care of. Your lonely nights, I'm going to be right there with you. So we often crowd our lives, and the reason we crowd our lives is is because we are in the place. We're trying to make up for a bad past. We're trying to be better than those in the past, and we're trying to be a better person than we've been in the past, and and we crowd our lives trying to do better, trying to get, and, and we're trying and trying and trying. But Jesus says, hey, your past I've already taken care of. Your past I've dealt with. I've taken your sin and your shame of the past and I've nailed it to the cross. I've taken the punishment for your sin and I've dealt with your past. You know, so often we're busy because we were, we're trying to impress somebody I want you to know that Jesus says, I'm already impressed with you. You don't need to try to impress me or anyone else. I'm impressed with you because Jesus loves you this morning. Hey, listen. Jesus not only wants to simplify your life, he wants to clarify your life. See, the fact is that he wants you to live with purpose. You know, we all know people who get exhausted doing nothing. Have, have you noticed there are people who are always tired and you begin to say, well, what are you doing to get tired? I have people come to me and say, I, I'm burned out. And I said, you can't be burned out. You've never been a light. <laughs> and, and, and there are people who are busy doing nothing and get exhausted doing nothing. But then again, we know people also are filled with activity, but they're always happy. And and they always have time for you. And yes, they feel exhausted and there are nights where they just fall into bed. But they get up every morning with a fresh vision and a fresh understanding that they are people of purpose and destiny. That it is that they're put on this planet for purpose and destiny. 
And they live their lives for Jesus. Jesus clarifies why you're alive and why you're on this planet. It's not just to live and die. Jesus has purpose for your one and only life. Listen to what the scripture says, Ephesians 1 verse 11. And it's in Christ that you find out who you are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. So God has purpose for your life. But there may be some here who would say, oh, oh, but John, it's too late. No, it's not. You may feel that you're at the midnight hour of your life. You may feel that you've wasted your life. You may feel that life has gone and you've missed your chances. But I want to tell you, if you read your Bible... You will find over and over and over there are people who came to God and answered his call at the end of their lives, in the late stages of their lives. See, Abraham, Abraham was an old man and God called him. Jacob, Jacob cheated on his family and God called him. It was that Moses, Moses was already retired. Listen, he was already retired and God called him. How many say, join me and say hallelujah for that. But the thing is that Moses was called by God in his retirement. Elijah, Elijah was depressed. Elijah was under a tree wishing he'd never been born and God called him. Jonah, Jonah had let God down, he felt, and he was on the run. He was running from God, and God called him. Peter, Peter denied his Lord three times. Denied Jesus three times, but God called him. Saul, Saul was persecuting Christians, putting Christians to death. But God arrested him. God got him and called him and pulled him out of that to become the writer of the majority of the New Testament. Thomas was known for doubting Christ, but God called him. Now it's not too late for you. And here's the reason why God loves you this morning. Wherever you are, wherever you're sitting, God loves you this morning. There's something about you that he finds irresistible. Yeah, I know, I don't know what it is either, but he does. (laughs) He loves you. Can I finish this morning by asking you, will you let God love you? right here in this service this morning. Hey, hey, don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment like the innkeeper did. Don't just crack the door open, throw the door open. It it, it could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. It, It could be that this moment, this moment is coming to you. And it is that this is the moment that God has designed. Don't miss this moment. You know, a story is told 
about a family many years ago that lived on the lower banks of a river. And, and they always knew whenever storms came, they had to cross from the low bank to the high bank of the river because usually they would get flooded. And so this storm was beginning to get up and they decided that they would cross the old bridge to the higher ground on the other side of the river. So the, van, the family loaded up their horse and cart and they put the old mother sitting right up front and the son sets out to take her across the river before the storm gets worse. But as they cross in the bridge, the storm does get worse and the old mother is blown by the wind into the rolling Waters beneath them now a raging river. Immediately, immediately the boy dives in, the son dives in, and he swims like crazy, and he gets to the old mother, and he gets hold of her, but in her frenzy she beats him off, and down the river she goes again. He swims again, and he gets hold of her again, but again she beats him off. And again he swims after her, but this time it was too late. She had gone completely from sight. When they found the son later, he was lying on the banks of the river and he was hammering his fists into the ground saying, Mom, Mom, I would have saved you. I would have saved you, but you wouldn't let me. I'd hate you to get to the judgment seat of Christ and hear him say, I came to you. I knocked at your heart's door at that service at Riverside Community Church Christmas Eve 2017. I would have come in to you. I would have come in to you. But, but, but you, you wouldn't let me. I would have saved you. I would have saved you, but you wouldn't let me. I would have brought you back to myself, but you wouldn't let me. I would have filled your heart and life with hope and joy, but you wouldn't let me. You beat me off. You said my life is too crowded. Oh God, it's too late. I'm just a common nobody. But I want you to know that God comes from the car for the common nobodies. I tell you how I know that he came for me. A nobody. And he came and found me. And he's knocking at your heart's door this morning. I don't want you to miss the moment. This moment may never come to you again. I don't know what's going to happen in your life from today on. I don't know whether you are promised tomorrow. In fact, the scripture says you're not promised tomorrow. You have today. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow could be too late. I don't want you to miss the moment. I want you to close the door and say, it's too crowded in here. It's too late. I'm just a common nobody. I want you to open your heart still wide this morning. I want you to let Jesus save you. You know, the whole thought of saving is the thought of rescuing. It's the thought that you're sinking deep in sin, but Jesus rescues you. It's the thought that you're drifting further and further to hell, but Jesus rescues you. 
It's the thought that he now says, don't beat me off, don't beat me off, let me save you. He's ready to do it right now. Wants to come right into your heart and life right now. Wants to invade you this Christmas Eve. Wants to give you purpose for living. You know, this week, on Wednesday night, it's 10 o'clock, and I get this Facebook message. And it wasn't a message, it was a picture of someone's slashed wrist. And this person wrote on there, he said, I've just done this to myself. I felt desperate. Knowing that someone was dying, I didn't know whether he was faking it or not. I didn't know what it was. So I did what I thought I could do. I didn't have his address, but I called the police. I told them what had happened. And after a while, we'd hunted around and we found an address of this guy. And um, he wrote to me and he said, the police came into my house. They told me my pastor had let them know about what was happening. My bedclothes was full of blood. And they took me off to hospital. And I suppose you actually saved my life. Now listen, friends, today, that's something worse than physical death. It's spiritual death. Oh, I want to tell you that I pleaded with Jesus before I came here today. And I pleaded and I says, oh God, if there's one, if there's one that's walking a road to hell, if there's one that's going to a Christless hell, if there's one that is going to die and be lost forever, will you, will you do more than I can do? Will you do what I can't do? Will you knock at their heart's door, Jesus? Will you come into their life? It's a matter of life and death, Jesus. It was Christmas Eve many years ago. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to go to a guy's house. He's probably watching this online in England right now. His name was Adrian Cross. And I, I, I turned up at their door and I said, I've come, Adrian, because I want to make sure that this Christmas you know Jesus as your Savior. He wrote to me a few, years, a few weeks back, I should say. And now it's been over 20, nearly 30 years since that happened. He said, I want you to know that was the best thing that I ever did. I asked Jesus into my life that night and he rescued me. Hey, right now, right now, Jesus says, I'm knocking at the door. Or you say, well, I followed him once, but I kicked him out. Well, he's still knocking at the door. He is not one to give up on you. He wants to come in. He wants to give you a brand new start. So I'm going to ask that we bow in prayer together right now. Let's pray. I want every Christian in this room praying. I want you praying that people will give up on their crowded life. That they not argue it's too late. 
There will be that they won't think that they're not good enough, that they're just common people, and that they will know we're all common people. I want you to pray right now, Christian, that, that these people will open the door, not just crack it open, but throw it open to Jesus. Uh, and now I want you to help me. Every Christian and everyone in this room that know that today, is the day you need to open the door to Jesus and say, hey, come on into my life. I want everyone praying this prayer with me. All right, so pray line after line. Dear Lord Jesus, I open the door. Will you come into my life? Will you forgive my past? Will you walk with me into the future? I surrender my life to you. Will you rescue me? Will you save me? I ask in Jesus' name. Will you forgive me? Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and taking my sin, taking my shame. I surrender to you. Let's keep our eyes closed just a moment. I want to pray for you. And if you, if you prayed that prayer and you say, I've come back to God this morning. I've opened my heart to Jesus this morning. I'm starting my life all over this morning. I'm giving my life to Him. I want you to do a very bold thing right now, if you will. And it, your heart may be beating and you say, Will everybody we're watching know that's why I'm keeping them with their eyes closed. I'm the only one looking. Some may be peeping. I don't know. But listen, it's your moment. It's your day. If you pray that prayer sincerely from your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. I open the door. Will you just stand to your feet right now? I know it's going to be difficult. God bless you. 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 Is there anyone else? I know it's hard to get up, but oh, Jesus went to the cross for you. I see you under the balcony there. Is there anyone else? Hey, hey, folk, I know I told you not to peep, but just turn and whisper to the one next to you and say, I'll stand up with you if you want me to. You don't know whether they're Christians or not. You just ask, say, if you want to stand up and you're feeling shy, I'll stand up with you and just stand up with them right now. Yeah, God bless you. Is there anyone else? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Lots of people standing. Hey, I, I'm going to come down the front. Will you who are standing, now don't sit down because I already know where you are. But if you stood up, I want you to come and meet me at the front. I want to pray with you down here. Come on, let's get, let's get together down.
God bless you coming in there. God bless you. I want, I want you to know right now, if you sincerely prayed that prayer that I led you in and that the congregation helped you with, hey, your sins have been forgiven. All right. Now, now, some of you are looking at me and saying, I don't feel much different. I still feel a bad sinner. Well, I want to tell you, we have an enemy that's known as Satan. And Satan wants to rub your nose in the dirt. He doesn't want you ever believing that you've been forgiven. But I'm telling you as true as ever, I knelt before Jesus and I asked him to forgive my sin. And I knew that I had been forgiven You need to know whether you feel it or not, you are forgiven. Your sins are dealt with. Hey, this is a brand new day. It's a brand new beginning. You will walk from this place. There's a word, it's a theological word, it's justified. And that word justified, it means this that you're going to walk from this place justified. You're going to walk from this place and this is what it means, just as if you'd never sinned. All right, that's what He's done for you. Hey, hey, it's a supernatural thing, but God has come into your life this morning, taken away the sin of your past. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how much you beat yourself up. Whatever has been in your past has been forgiven right here, right now. You are justified just as if you'd never ever sinned. It's a brand new life. It's a brand new life. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I want you to do something for me after service, right? I want you to go to our front desk and never mind how long it takes. I want you to leave me Okay, your name and a number that I can get in touch with a text, all right? I want to text you and, and just tell you every day that I'm praying for you as you start out on the Christian life. Will you do that for me? Just go back there, give them your name. I promise you, I, I'm not going to uh, be sending you texts every five minutes, all right? Maybe every 30. No, I mean, it, it'll just be one or two texts that I'll send to you. But I want to keep in touch so that I can know that you're trusting Jesus. I want you to start to read the Bible. Start reading in the book of Luke. If you want to know where to start, start reading through the book of Luke. When you get through that, come and ask me. I'll tell you where else you can go to read. But read through the book of Luke. Just a few verses every day. It will introduce Jesus to you. And know this. In the same way you've heard other people pray here today. You can pray. Or, or you say, well, I'm not good enough to pray. Hey, join the club. None of us are good enough to pray. But he says, call on me and I will answer you. And Jesus is going to invade your life with miracles like you've never seen before. 
All right, I've got to get you out of here because you've got a lot of Christmas shopping to do. But listen, <laughs> congregation, stand right now with me. Stretch out your hands to these wonderful people. If you know, if you know anyone at the front here and you want to just come and stand with them, come right down and stand with them right now. Will you do that? If you know anyone at the front, come right down. I know it'll get crowded, but it's Christmas. It's all right. That's great. That's great. Now, I want you to join these people. And and I want you to celebrate your new birth. How many of you say, thank God he saved me. Thank God he rescued me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Oh God, we come before you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you never stop knocking at our heart's door. When we refused to open it or when we slammed it in your face, you kept on knocking. And now, Lord, we join with these at the front. And we thank you for our amazing salvation. We thank you that you've saved us. You've rescued us. You've pulled us out of sin and you've given us a brand new life. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. You are an amazing Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you that you died on the cross in our place. And thank you that you have reserved a place in heaven for us. We give you glory and praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, lift it up to Him right now.